Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Uh, pretty good, Dennis, but I'm still not sure if we decided, is Lower Decks canon? I mean, it's a real show, so it's, uh, uh, yeah, it must be. It, it, it must be. I think, I think uh, I was trying to think about this in, in, in the Star Wars thing, because I think in Star Wars... That's, that's the wrong IP. Well, I, yes, I know, but just, it's, you know, bear with me. <laughs> it, uh, cartoons are not always considered canon. And then the, that's why it's kind of super exciting when they trickle in, uh, like in the actual movies, um, references okay. to the animated stuff. I know when in uh, Rogue One, they have Chopper, which is the um, Rebels uh, droid mm. that, that you see him in the screen in the scene, and there is a call for a. a, a Sindola, I think it's um, it's the Hera Sindola. They they say her name and the, over the PA system, so that like oh my god, that okay. confirmed those characters. And then they also, in one point, they had Darth Maul with his robot legs come in on Solo. So those were like oh my gosh, cartoons now became canon, and until that point, they weren't. So until there's a crossover or characters from Lower Deck, Lower Decks come into Star Trek, I'm inclined to say that it's not canon. Well. I mean, we've seen, um, we've seen canon characters in in Lower Decks. Well, well yes. I mean, we've Anakin seen Skywalker Nine characters is in, is in and is we've in seen Wars, Riker but... and well, that's that's true, that's I, true. But we've okay. seen Riker and and Troy, and we've also seen what Kira and um, right. But but for it to be like Ferenc- main world in universe, you would have to have a original created thing from the animated series show up in a non-animated thing or in a mainline mm. thing like show up in um a star trek movie or like the pack leads well are, is that a, is that a that's pack leads are a an already established thing right that's not a yeah i i don't believe well this is a blanket statement and i'm probably wrong about this but i don't believe lower decks m- invented any planets or races of their own i think it's all referential is it all referential at this point yeah okay i don't i don't know that that's 100 percent true but that's my i mean it's more fun for them to do it that way so hey how do you like that we uh springboarded right into star trek i i was no holds barred on this episode today it's it's been a while i feel like since uh since we've talked about star trek speaking of darth maul uh (laughs) sure let's do that okay i was I was gonna say that he was in our movie this week, but he was not um that actor Ray he, Park? he was in a movie he was in um a movie called the mist have you seen that movie I'm not what's it about let me look this up so I make sure I'm not talking out of my the uh, the mist uh, um what's the dude's name Sam Whitwer? Oh, that name sounds familiar. He maybe he only voiced Darth Maul. Oh, was he the voice of Darth Maul? Oh, that does that does sound very all that sounds very familiar. So maybe he I bet you So he, was. he in um so 
Uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um, he plays a character called Crashdown. If you remember... I do. I do um, remember him, yeah. Yeah, an episode where uh, they crash a um, or they get stuck. He and Chief and Baltar, they get stuck on a planet for a while. And he's he's the ranking officer because he's a pilot. He has a lieutenant's rank, even though Chief Tyrrell is far more experienced with than than he is. He's a, that's a common uh, um, trope. Okay. Um, maybe yeah. I'm looking at the credits now, and I think he only voiced Darth Maul in later. Um, how one of these his credit is Darth Vader's secret apprentice, and also maybe Palpatine. That's interesting. Okay, so he didn't act as uh, as Darth Maul, but he did. He has voice acted. So, so you ever have those Darth moments Maul. where like everything clicks and you didn't realize that they all connected? Um, mm-hmm. right now I just had one <laughs> with with because you said him, and also I was like, wait, that name and that thing has been brought up in multiple circles and all together and. What, what is the linking? And I just did it real quick. IMDb. So that guy, I see his face. And what I see him as is the show Being Human. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Right. The, the, and he was like I, the vampire. I saw that, but I think I watched the original uh, British version. I did. I watched or it. I don't, the, there were two. Whichever one I saw, I didn't, I didn't recognize him from that. But I saw him and he looked really familiar. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then I looked up his credits and I'm like, oh, he's... Uh, uh, crash down. He also yeah, and the fact that he's crashed down in... is like that's that's the other linking part. Now you say he was crashed. I was like, oh my gosh, he was young then, and this is what he looks like when he was older. Like holy cow! Now so it's all like linking now, like young him turning into older him, being on being human, which is mid him, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's all together, linking together. It's crazy. Crash. He also was in an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. I wonder what, what the, he must have been really young, then, how, right? Yeah, two thousand three. His, um, I mean, that's only a year before uh, Galactica. Oh, that's right. I, I, um, I should say he's he's almost my age. FYI, he's forty five. Right, right. I, I wonder. How, well, his credit in Enterprise is sloth number three, so I'm sure it was a small part. But um, <laughs> I'd take it. I would take uh, it. <laughs> right, right. I wonder how long the list is of actors who've played in both. Star Trek and Star Wars. I know yeah, that the um, the one of the movie podcasts I listen to, uh, uh, Film Sack, will often do one of their segments because the show is all segments. Like they do big conversation in the middle, but it's still broken up, and they do these little games where they're like, "What what thing in the movie grossed out Scott, the main host, uh, the most?" and Everybody does their own intro, and at the end, everybody has to sum up the movie in a, in the format of a tweet in 240 characters or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things they do is Star Trek connections, where they're like, who in this movie was in Star Trek in any capacity? And yeah, it's a funny sort of thing, but I wonder I wonder who was, who was in both those. Anyway, did you see The Mist? I did not. I, can, can I make a comment on your, your shared universe person thing? Sure. I was going to say one of those is not going to be Nicolas Cage because he just came out. He did a movie, his recent movie he did with um, the Mandalorian guy. Um, he, uh-huh. he uh, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. They did a movie together, hit it off, I guess, fantastically. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess, Pedro Pascal really wanted Nicolas Cage to be in the Mandalorian series for the next season. 
And sure. he was talking like, I really want him to be there. We decide whether he wants to be at a speaking part or just a guy in a mask or whatever. And Nicolas Cage said he didn't want to have anything to do with it and didn't want to be in the Star Wars universe because he's a 100% Star Trek guy. <laughs> so he's like, I won't do it. I'm all into Star Trek. You know, Nick Cage being the eccentric crazy man that he is. Uh, in his recent interview, he was like, I won't do it. I will never be in a Star Wars because I'm a Star Trek guy. Like, that's, 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 I, feel, that's a riot. I feel like Nicolas Cage is a parody of himself. I, think, I mean, wasn't that what that movie was about that he, he was in? Kind of, kind of, yeah. I mean, if he were in either franchise, it would definitely have to be like a guy in a suit, like Simon Pegg in uh, in Star Wars. Uh, which which one was that? Uh, um force awakens i think mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, a couple a other like thing. like well-known actors doing a doing a cameo or something like he's too james bond he's too there. distinctive to be uh to be an actual character I, I think he would fit better in star wars maybe as like a a uh junker or a like a, a swashbuckler type oh see i was I, maybe maybe because we just watched Andor, like I picture him as like a loose cannon uh, uh, um, senator on. Oh, on, really? On oh, like all all, yeah. uh, all proper and stuff. That that'd be that'd be now. Th- or, then or you just, would then you would just have Nick Cage. Like I was thinking, he they'd have to have him in like a a beard and scraggly long hair and. Oh, like like Nick Cage in the movie Pig. I haven't seen Pig, but okay, that sounds great. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to mist. You were talking about the mist. I just wanted to. I had thought about that because I read that interview today. So, the mist. What's it about? Okay, so so this is um, it's an adaptation of a Stephen King short story, uh, just like Shawshank Redemption and um, Stand by Me, and it's much more Stephen King than either of those. Um, they they covered it on film sack and said i i listen to this podcast often episodes just like the flop house even though i haven't seen the movie i'll listen to it just because their conversation is entertaining to me um but they said that this had kind of a unexpected twist sort of in the in the story and that you would want to if you didn't want to get spoiled you should watch it first and i was like well i'll watch it what the heck um it's very much like horror thriller and to my mind this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler but it has a like it's not one of Stephen King's good endings to me okay um so i don't have a lot aside that uh i have a few interesting anecdotes about it but not so much about the movie itself more about the production uh a lot of the cast are um actors who would go on to play in the walking dead on the walking dead whatever okay. uh, preposition goes there um and the lead is uh the actor who plays miller in the expanse yeah okay um he's also you know the punisher yeah was the punisher um and i feel like he had some other notable role thomas jane is his name yeah i, um, I definitely remember him early in like 90s Punisher that's where I remember he was in Boogie Nights um and also a very young uh relatively very young uh Walton Goggins uh probably most well known for um Justified and we saw him in a very small role in uh Born Identity 
Speaking of justified, I need uh, I need to go back and watch. No, the no, I'm I'm conf- I'm confusing my movies again. Walton Goggins was in World's Fastest Indian, so I'll we'll we'll get to that later. Um, so uh, part of what was interesting about the mist is somebody in their in the next podcast episode wrote in to tell them that they made a um a black and white version of that movie like they did with uh excuse me logan oh yeah okay and i was like oh that's interesting Hmm. um so i found and watched that version of it right it's from 2007 but they did a version in black and white um which was pretty good like there were there were times in the movie where i forgot that it was black and white um you just see i would just see like a lot of blood or something and it looked black and i was like oh that's weird oh yeah it's black and white like i just you know like your brain stops noticing it after a while which was interesting yeah it, 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 you're right it, it does after it's really jarring and that kind of stuff or if it's the sepia tone or whatever it might be that they're doing a, a lot of camera stuff bothers you for two minutes and then you don't notice it and it's part of the movie and, and right kind of right did you did you watch that black and white version of of logan I don't think I did, but I I, I could because I really I really love that movie, and I have not seen it in many years, so I should go watch it again. I think I think somebody put it on at a at an ICG con, but it was late and I was falling asleep, so like I saw the first couple minutes of it, and that was basically uh, basically. I, I should watch that. That 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 sounds really good. The uh, um the the two things now now I got to add it to my list. I, you know I'm a chronic rewatcher. Um, two mm-hmm. two things that are are excellent that I have not watched in a long while. And not watching them in a long while kind of makes them sweeter because there's things you forget, right? Um, are Logan, mm-hmm. which that sounds great now that you mentioned it. And another one's speaking of um, Justified, uh, I need to watch Deadwood. Timothy Oliphant reminded me of that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, that's a show that I watched just once and is worth watching multiple times. But it's hard to watch. It's because you have you can't you can't have it like blaring in the in the game room and kids walk in. Uh, <laughs> right, right. It's a little there. There's there's just a little bad language in that show. Just a, just a little bit, yeah. Um, if, if you have not watched Deadwood, go back and listen to our reviews of it. It's fantastic, wonderful. But yes, adults only. For for heavy, he, that's the one that deserves the the heavy loose the rating that says you know language on it. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. some things. Uh, okay, so m- moving on, m- moving on to our to our talk stuff, uh, talky talk stuff. Um, I di- I didn't really play a lot of. See, we can do games real quick. Uh, I uh, still playing. I'm still playing through Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, I, I I have, as I said multiple times on the podcast, I have I like story game driven games that are very you know heavy big story, epic story stuff, but I have several of them in the queue that I have to keep playing and I want to keep playing, but they take time and effort. Um, Time being the thing. Um, Horizon is, is the one right now that it's on my thing and I'm enjoying all of it. I'm enjoying, I love, I think with these epic story games, it's the care, it's the main characters that you have to like a lot, right? To really go. Sure. Of course. Um, And I started up um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I love Vikings but in the first hour, the main character hasn't grabbed me. So I that made me like mm. it, I bounced off of it real quick and I need to go back. But that's one of them. Horizon Zero Dawn. I love a I love Aloy. Um 
although she can be a little bit, um, I don't know, self-righteous sometimes, but, um, I really, okay. I really like that character and she's good in this, this one and the world's kind of good. Um, the Witcher three, you know, I like that one. That's a good game. Still uh, red dead redemption, which is the one I still have. And last of us part two, I need to play last of us part two because next week the, the series comes out. Mm. We, we, we need to put that on our, our show watch list. The with with Din Djarin in it, um, we just mentioned his name for uh, Mandalorian. Pe- Pedro Pascal. Yeah, and uh, playing Ellie. Did, I can't remember. Did you play the game, the first one? I played a little bit of it. The Ellie, the the main girl in that one, is play- no wait, not that one. I played I played Horizon. I didn't oh, play Horizon. Last of Us. Yeah, Last Last of Us is 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 a great game. Uh, primarily, I mean, it's a it's a I think it's a Naughty Dog game. Someone's going to shoot me if I said the wrong thing, but it feels like a Naughty Dog game where it's <laughs> it's got that kind of you know you, you're you I wouldn't say quite set path you know but you, rails but you kind of have to um, sure and to tell the story and it's but the thing is the story is excellent um, it had mm-hmm. it was yeah, Walking Dead that. before Walking Dead um, and was it before Walking Dead? I think it was anyway go, go I, I, I want to say go. it was. Um, and, uh, anyway, the, the main girl is, um, who you play a couple times throughout the, the, the back and forth. Mm-hmm. She is, um, played by Lady Mormont. Is that how you say that last name? Uh, Catherine called okay. Birdie. Right and, right. and I really like that little actress. She's, I said a little actress, but she's probably <laughs> mid teens now. Um, at least but, but yeah. she's she's such a great actress one of those because you don't get teen actors or when she was mormont younger actors so good and right. she's and she's just anything i've seen her in she's the scene that's the the thing to watch every time right um, so, chewing scenery as yeah. they say yeah so i'm 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 happy to see her in this next one in a, in a good story that i kind of know the plot of um right and, which I think can make for a good, um, a good uh, movies. I know we don't have you know good track records for movies and video games, but um, I think there's a a bit of trying to be too literal, like t- translating video games to movies um, mm-hmm. sometimes, or um, sometimes not literal enough, where they just completely make no sense to what the games are are like at all. Um, so we'll we'll see. we'll see, but this one feels like you know it's a, it was a movie anyway, um, right? The game, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I'm looking forward to the to, to the and it's a series, not a not a, sh- a movie. So mm-hmm. so you can have you can explore some of the things that they do in the game, like they do. In that sure. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, that that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, I played One Deck Galaxy again with um, our buddy Trotsky. I went over there. It's a it was a co. It's a co-op game. I talked about this a week or two ago, so I won't go into it. But uh, we won, which is a big thing because I couldn't get. I played it four times solo, couldn't get past like the first phase even. Um, and he and I played it, but in true Daniels and Trotsky fashion, we analyzed and analysis paralysis everything for hours mm-hmm. on every move, and we. 
we game out every step all the way through and what and it took that to win it's it was that hard Mm -hmm. and we won by like the skin of our teeth type thing literally the last move at the last possible thing the last thing we could do um and it took us four and a half to five hours in a game that takes 45 minutes usually that's that sounds terrible it was terrible it was a lot of fun because it was just mike and i doing what mike and i do um right but i would not wish that on anyone else to to do right yeah Um, yeah 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 he and i will have those two-player game days where we'll do that because we know nobody else somebody's gonna get bored at some point in that kind of a Mm -hmm. situation um but with just the two of us we we had great so it was really fun i'm glad we did it it we played the basic level one out of level four bad guy um so and it was that difficult. We we were like have no idea how we can can win it the other way, um, but we we may give it time. So it, it was fun. That was the other thing. Um, uh, the last one was a game called Terra Nova, which we played uh, at game night last week. Um, it's if anybody played Terra Mystica, it's basically Terra mm-hmm. Mystica Light. Uh, Terra Mystica. Okay. Terra Mystica is a one of those games that has. No randomness really to it. It's all there's no dice rolling, no random card draws. You know where everything's happening. Right, right, yeah. Um, but there's like a million things going on on the board. Mm-hmm. Different tracks and things you have to kind of do. Uh, Terra Nova just says, okay, well we're having the exact same game, but we're taking out this entire gameplay mechanic and this other entire gameplay mechanic, and then now it's shorter and more, you know, like less, but still streamlined. Yeah, but because of that, you, I mean, when you do that streamlined in a game that takes, what, four to six hours, now you've got a game that takes three hours, you know, which is still a long game. Um, sure. But but nowhere near. So it was fun, uh, kind of fun. I, I I kind of enjoyed it, but I, I was never a fan of Terra Mystica, um, maybe because it was over complex. I came second out of five, um, mm. but... Um, it, it it's like chess. And when you start taking, I'm not a big fan of huge randomness in games, but when you take the random chance out of games, it becomes a chess thing. Whoever plays right. it more can see every 70 steps down the way. Right. Well, plays it more and has a particular kind of, um, like mental ability. Yes, exactly. Right. You, where, where you can envision this move triggers these moves makes that move, which I have to do these counters and a bunch of my, uh, my nieces and not my nephews cause they're too young, um, played chess over the holiday with some of my siblings. And it was a funny kind of, what did Andrew say? My, my youngest brother is like, Oh, I'm going to, I know he doesn't listen to the podcast, so this doesn't matter, but uh, 94, I think he's like 27 mm-hmm. now. And he's teaching, you know, the young, young kids, like the 14 year old and the, the nine year old, how to, how to play chess. And he's given them this like sage advice. Like <laughs> every, every, every time you lose is an opportunity to learn. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? Knock that off. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't remember what else I was. Well, the say, the the, the yeah. uh, so yeah that that game that game is uh, I like. Here's the randomness I like in games. 
I don't like when randomness determines the outcome. Like a dice roll sure. to, to hit or a dice roll to whatever. What what I like is what I prefer in randomness is you're presented with random things and then how do you deal with those random things? Okay, sure. Okay, so um in a card game, like I tend to like some card games, you draw cards from a deck and then what you do with those cards is you know how you is your strategy, right? Uh, not not uh, okay. I'm ready to attack, and then I draw a random card and hope it's a one, two, or three. Sure. Right. So like so you have yeah. Um, or or rolling a dice. If if you roll a dice and it says okay, a, a three came up, that means now this is your powers that you're going to have this turn. What do you do with those? As opposed to like you have powers now, roll a die and hope you roll a three. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, those, those are, those are the kind of, the, the, I'm pretty decent at dodging and weaving and, and, you know, making my way through a thing that gives me random stuff, but I, it just, just bugs the crap out of me when my fate is based on randomness. It's like real life. Yeah. yeah. Is it though? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was my long spiel on, on some, some of these things. Uh, I, I um, I on your recommendation bought uh, Soulstone Survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you um, played uh, vampires for a while. You played a little bit of that. Vampires, yep, that's right. Um, it amused me very much that uh, I rec- I recommended that game in our chat, and our buddies on uh, immediately noticed and complained about the feature that I most appreciated in that game which is the dash button uh, because <laughs> yeah. i i played several i did several runs forgetting it was there or either not knowing because it's not mm-hmm. it's not like a mobile game where it sort of handholds you through the mechanic i mean neither is uh vampire survivors but vampire survivors is very has like none of that at all like it's yeah. very raw and kind of old school and this game is a little like that as well but it definitely has more of those I shouldn't call them mobile game kind of mechanics, but more like a, uh, this always reminds me of League of Legends. Um, outside of the game, there are a ton of upgrades and, and choices and, and things yeah. where, you know, the distinction, as I understand it, the distinction between a roguelike and a roguelite is that in a roguelite, you get some kind of power progression outside of the game some kind of permanent power progression it's not necessarily outside of the game but um uh, permanent persistent uh upgrades and vampire survivors has those but they're just a couple right you buy these upgrades or you unlock these characters that's basically it um soulstone survivors has those plus like here's a tech tree and here are characters you can unlock. And if you play a character enough, you level them up, you get their special weapon, you go to the blacksmith, you get the materials, you upgrade their weapon. You unlock these runes and you upgrade your runic power so you can equip those runes and you sort of change your build for each run. Um, it's not, you know, it's not to the level of League of Legends if you've played that, mm-hmm, yeah. um, where where there are just hundreds of these things. Yeah. Um but it's it's kind of a lot, um, definitely compared to 
uh, vampire survivors. But it's more... It's a little less of a roguelike or roguelite and more of an arcade kind of game. Right. Um, I'll say out of maybe a dozen runs that I've done, I think I've only died a couple times. Oh, on, um, on uh, Soulstone? On Soulstone. Maybe the first couple. Like the first two or three, I think I died. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I tried a different character and went through and unlocked and um like the first time that i survived the first wave because you have a goal right Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not just it's not survive until you die it's you know summon the boss five times and kill the boss five times it's different bosses but summon summon and kill like kill enough trash to summon a boss do that five times and then you won right you can go deeper or you could depending on what you've unlocked like there are more options but it's it it, like well like you said the runs are shorter because there's that goal like if you're not if you're not failing horribly um that goal takes 10 to 15 minutes right right and you unlock things based on whether you hit those timers so that's how i know how precise that time is you unlock a thing if you get it in under 12 minutes yeah and you unlock a different thing if you get it in under 10 right um and um again you can go deeper and i don't i'm not entirely sure the difference between the two one is like an infinite mode where you're just doing it again yeah the other one is a is a boss mode that summons two bosses each time instead of one and then and then once you beat that you can do the you continue down the boss one again and it's three bosses and then it's it's four bosses and then it's five bosses three Three is the furthest I've gone with that because what happens is a build that works very well for trash is weak against bosses. And so I end up um, killing too much trash while trying to (laughs) DPS down the boss. Yes, I had that. And then... And then the next wave spawns, and I'm like, "Oh, there are four now." Yes. I'm in the I'm in the level where two are spawning at a time, but now I'm dealing with four, and they're just red circles and cones all over the floor, and I'm just constantly running away, um, yes. um, trying to survive. I, I, I've done it's, the opposite of that too, by the way, where where I've had builds that just wreck bosses, like they come out and then they die within less than a minute, mm, but then the trash mm-hmm. just takes forever. Right. But that, but that's yeah. yeah that I I I liked a lot about Soulstone that it all those little improvements that it did over Vampire. I mean, I, it's almost like I, I Soulstone. I don't want to say is better than Vampire because it's like Soulstone is nothing without Vampire, right? Vampire for kind of created for the as, basis of for it. For as and, similar as they are, they are really different games. Yeah, they, they are. Um, and and you're right. The dash part is a little thing that makes a big difference. You know, or mm-hmm. or aiming the reticle like your with your mouse button, um, rec, rec, yeah, um, for, for the aiming, yeah, the aiming. I, which is not I not changed, needed to really, but well, it depends on your build. Yeah, the, the last run I did was all frontal slash attacks, yeah, and it was definitely the thing where I'm like, oh, I can kill bosses a lot faster this way. I oh, have yeah, to. Yeah kind of spin around and face all over when i'm clearing trash but it makes the boss killing a lot easier even despite the fact that i have to get in there closer and uh right and hit it with stuff and and some of those when you increase them so high 
like the front slash is basically half the screen almost or like half third the, of the screen it's, or yeah, it's, you know? you're you're wiping half the map when you right when you do that i i i also changed i went in and changed the settings like turn the the spell effects no, yeah. down to you like 30 percent right. and and turned the the cursor the aiming reticule up to like as big as it goes because <laughs> nice. on, on the default settings i kept losing it yeah, like there's yeah. all these explosions and lightning bolts and stuff all over the screen and i'm like where did my cursor go i can't find it right yeah no no for, for real that's and you get to a point when you're playing it that you can't play it any other way like i would die i wanted to have the spell effects all the way up because they're so cool and just like that's almost of course the the awesomeness of the game the point of the game but but, yeah. but yeah, I just I would die because I just couldn't see anything. It was just like explosions everywhere, and I didn't know where there was any bad guys or even you know the stuff not to stand in because you just don't know. It, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and uh, but to- yeah, it's it's definitely a more uh, accessible. Doesn't seem like the right word, but it's easier to get into. I think than than. Vampire, like Vampire Survivor, feels like a kind of niche, like for a specific kind of person sure. game. Yeah, I would agree. Where where Soulstone is a little more uh, friendly yeah. in that way. I mean, it's not, it just feels a little bit more modern. You know, not not that Vampire is old or anything, but now I, I did want to comment on one thing. Vampire does have because you had said like Vampire doesn't have a lot of those. Online. It, it actually has a lot of upgrades and and out like it doesn't have the the runes that um soulstone has so you can make different builds kind of but it has a whole like something like 50 unlock upgrade abilities outside the game and then the same with characters there's like 30 to 50 characters that are unlocked that are all secret um and and that's and and you don't there's no way you know that like maybe where you're at like it looks like you've done them all because that's like what they are but then you do one other thing, and then it unlocks another power that, like, oh, now I unlock this other thing. It's just kind of like following the Easter egg type stuff uh, that you don't even know are unlockable, right? You just, mm-hmm. you know, you just you just don't know there. And then you do an achievement, which the achievements are listed there. And then you're like, oh, now I can now I can unlock um, rerolls or respawns or uh, which I didn't have before or you know. You know um, banish abilities which again you didn't even know that's an ability type thing or characters that you didn't even know that aren't on they're not blacked out they're just not even there and there's like 20 of them um that aren't there yeah that that is that is more that's another thing that's more old school retro kind of right Right. like the it's like the invisible boxes that you can hit in super mario it's like it if you don't know, obviously there's the internet so you can look stuff up. But I mean, and I knew that I knew that there was there were those things in that game because I unlocked some of those combo weapons. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you if you max out the whip and also get this book, now you get the super whip or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but yeah. it's that idea. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. With weapons and things like that. Now, I feel that Soulstone has more choices. Actually, it just took Vampire and then made it even more. And Vampire is pretty mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and the big thing about Soulstone is it, it's still in early beta. Like it's what what they have on their road to f- finish is like hundreds. They have something like 
40 characters or 50 characters and then hundreds more abilities. And I'm like, wow, that's, mm-hmm. they're just hitting, scratching the surface on what they want to launch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like it a whole, I, I like it a whole lot. And it's my favorite part between the two is that it's 15 minutes. And then that's the only big thing, 15 minutes versus 30 minutes. But, you know, bite size gameplay is, is nice. Sure. Yeah. Um, I got, I bought, there was a sale, uh, like the New Year's sale. I bought a game called Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I haven't played it yet, but it's on my list of things to play next. I spent a, is that a sequel? I I think it's the original. I think there is a sequel. Okay. Because I feel like I've heard of a Ori and the Blind Forest. Maybe. Something like that. Maybe. But it, it okay. was fairly anyway, go on. fairly cheap, and, and it looks nice. I haven't played it yet. But I did play a lot of Dyson Sphere Project, or program, mm-hmm. uh, which I spent too much time on. Stayed up way too late playing. Uh, but <laughs> I hit the same point in that game that I hit the last two times. This is my third save file. And, okay. and every single time, I have stopped playing at the same point. And uh, like I remember Factorio, you, you have a goal to like launch the ship, right? Um this one you kind of have a goal to build the Dyson sphere, but it's it's so long to build the Dyson sphere and you do so much It's like it's like realistically long. Yeah. It, it's crazy long. And then but the point I hit the same time is where you have to go to other planets. And mm-hmm. you're not discovering at that point, you're not truly discovering anything new. Like, you're not getting new resources that are on other planets or other things. You're just, your own normal planet isn't enough. It's like you don't have enough coal or you don't have enough iron. And you're, you're, you've, you've met the needs to get, like, a factory for X upgrade. And you've got, like, 14 factories that you need to make the ingredients. But it hits a point at some point when you have to go out into other planets where the 14 factories needs to be 700 factories, mm-hmm. right? And then it, and everything, you start looking like, what am I, what am I doing wrong here? And do I, you know, is there something wrong? And everything at that point becomes math. And then it's like, okay, now you sure. have to math the crap out of the entire game and look at input-output percentages and, you know... Um, the difference between this and that is how you how the length of the belts and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, this is no longer interesting to me. It's no longer driving mm. towards everything from here on out is just very small baby steps, doing a ton of stuff for small baby steps. And right. it doesn't feel like you're progressing anymore. All you're doing is just trying to make more and more efficient of what you already have times 100, which I know that that's what these game players typically love and that's what they eat up but it just changed the game midway and i always get extremely lost when i don't really care you know uh in making you know two percent increase in efficiency yeah there's i mean factorio has a point like that but it's really like by that point it's like you've probably already launched the rocket yeah right like and and even though you'll hit you'll hit a point of like you've seen every resource right you have all the resources and so you're like okay well i get this and combine into this but then you, you'll still get another upgrade 
right? You're like, okay, now I've got these circuits, but now I've got to build these circuits and they need plastic. So I've got to, you know, ramp up my oil processing and production and do all that. And then you launch the rocket and the rocket comes back with new research packs. And now you like, you will hit a point eventually where there are no new technologies to upgrade and all the upgrades, the research upgrades are just faster versions of what you already have. Yeah. But by that point, I think to get to that point, it's almost like as much time as it takes to launch the rocket and then that much again. Mm, yeah. So like, it's rare I mean, I played hundreds and hundreds of the hours of that game, and I've never gotten to that point. Well, yeah. Um, I either launch the rocket or or I just burn out because I'm like, I am spending way too much time on this and step away from it. But it's not like, it's not because I'm bored with the game. It's just because I it's, it's you know, taking too much of my life. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was that's what it was, too, is I, I went to log back on, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to spend a, to do a new let's say changing my 14 factories to 700 factories it's going to take two to three hours to do this one little small component and then mm. the, then the literal fact of actually sitting and traveling from planet to planet which takes 10 minutes a piece you know each right. way and then you get there and then you forget one component and you have to travel all the way back <laughs> right so um and, and that's another thing like you know okay so i have to go do a thing so I had to when I found out that I was pulling out my notebook and writing down notes like I need 750 or 375 silver plates, which takes three circuit boards, which takes you know, and I had to write it all out before I made my trip to the planet to just build one little factory. Like that's not that wasn't fun for me. That wasn't the fun part. Like I sure I don't mind. I can actually really enjoy like reworking my belts so that they're all more efficient and everything's stacked perfectly mm -hmm, and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I do love that kind of stuff. That's, that's not bad. It was just, it's just the, when you're not getting an, you know, my next upgrade skill upgrade is just, you know, um, a more efficient, like you said, a more efficient iron producer or something. And I'm like, I already right. have, here's the thing I, I had a like the dyson swarm is what it's called and i had three times more energy than i was using and i'm like isn't this what i the goal of the game i just want to get where i can have so much energy that it's crazy and i'm already hit it why do i need to go build hmm. more you know what i mean it was like yeah i can see why thematically that makes sense and and factorio definitely has that same kind of thing where you're like okay this this part takes can make you know this machine can make this part uh this many per second like or you know it takes this many seconds to make that and that needs three of these two of these and five of these and each of those have their own crafting time and then they several of them have even smaller parts that they need to craft and you can calculate all that stuff up to to you know make a perfectly efficient machine for that but i i always approach that stuff kind of the same way that i approach like real world engineering problems or you know tech software things is like yeah there's some really low level math that i could do to do this but this is a very popular game and somebody with the with a better head for that kind of stuff has already figured already it out right, yeah. and then and then beyond that there's a there's a um uh, a module a mod for the game that gives you like a like a little control panel 
Mm. that's like okay i want to make this and it'll show you here are the parts it needs and then i'm like okay let me click on those and show and i say all right i want to be able to have one machine of this type because of course all the machines have faster versions like these are the best machines i can make let me have two of those making this research pack and now how many machines do i need making each of the the um intermediate parts to make that and it does all the math for you because it's a computer like it does that like basic algebra uh very fast yeah um yeah. well and dyson sphere program the point that i hit is that you're not getting hardly any new things right like to launch the Dyson Sphere from the Dyson Sphere plates to the Dyson Sphere. Like, at one point, you're getting, let's say, you're doing ore, and then you get iron. And then you're like, oh, but I want to be able to get to, to, to farm that, I don't know, hydrogen. So that does, I can, now it'll solve my energy problems. Or I can get a space shuttle that will deliver my stuff from one side of the planet to the other side. Because I started with my iron so far away from my copper but there's this solution here. I just have to work my way to unlock it to, to solve a problem, right? Right. Dyson right. Sphere hits a point where there's no longer a problem anymore. You have all the tools that you're going to do. It's just using the same buildings to build now antimatter protons and uh, to put into it this, another building you already have to make computer chips, so you're not getting new buildings or new cool things or solving new problems. You're just trying to build the Dyson Swarm or the Dyson thing with ridiculous factories and math. Um, mm. So which, which again is not fun. I'm not doing anything cool to solve any problems, um, you know, of, that I have, which which made it boring. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does seem like, again, very realistic but not in a fun way. Not in a fun way. So, right. Yeah. Because you'd like the, you know, it's like Scotty says in, in, uh, in next generation, like the resources, the technology, like imagine what it would take to build a Dyson sphere. Like it's insane. Yeah. And that's what, which, which is true. Like. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that like, so the, the, the goal, when you hit that point, you're like, I've solved all my problems on this planet. I have enough energy. I have enough stuff. I have all the things that I need. The only thing I need to do now is to build a Dyson sphere. And what problem will that solve for me? It will give me a lot of energy, but I already have a lot of energy. That's not a problem anymore. Right. Right. The, the only point is to build this thing that doesn't solve any problems. Mm. Right. So, so there's no drive to do it. Sure. You know, and, and so anyway, that's, that's why I stopped the Dyson sphere program. I stopped it three times. I, I no longer have a drive to go back to it again. At some point I will because I like the beginning part of it, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> last thing I want to talk about with video games real quick was uh, I, I have bought a while back a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Um, okay. And uh, I was first very uh, downcast on it because it's like, I know those old quarter eaters, the button mashers. They're just button mashers. They're nothing skilled. You're just you know continuing all the time. It's not a big deal. This one, though, I bought it because we were all going to play it with our friends, which we didn't. Um, but then I did read online where it's got power-ups and different moves, and you can do button combinations and combos. I was like, okay, maybe this is a modern take on those old button mashers. 
I finally played yeah. it last week, and it is not. It is just the oh. same button mashers of the arcade games of old. But so it's wasn't that fun. The only difference there is that as a single player, you play two players. Like it's the weirdest thing okay. ever. With one controller, two characters come out, and when you press right, they both move right. And when you press mm. up, they both move up and attack. Okay. They both attack, which works amazingly well, which I didn't because hmm. it's just a button masher. It really doesn't matter if I'm hitting attack, sure, attack, sure. attack. Uh, the enemies come to you. Right. So your characters, no matter where they are on the screen or what direction they're facing, are still punching things in front of them. Have something to punch, yeah, sure. Yeah, so you don't even, it's just like, oh, I'm tired of looking at April O'Neil now. I'll go look at Splinter. You know, it's, it was just boring after the first two boards. I was like, eh. You know, some, some people who never played those button mashers or were too little may find it fun, but meh. Pass. <laughs> All right, that was, a, that was a lot of the video game and board stuff. Uh, do we want to go into movies? I got two things to talk about movies one is the the movie of the week and then i went and saw a movie i already talked about my my second movie which was the mist the mist so uh so yeah let's do it okay this week we watched the world's fastest indian from 2005 starring anthony hopkins um diane ladd and Decent number, well, not a decent number. A handful I mean, just staring Anthony people. Hopkins. That, that's all there was. Right, like he's the only one that's really it's, starring. Right. <laughs> it's most mostly Anthony Hopkins, but there are a couple other characters um, that you might recognize from other things I mentioned earlier. Um, Walton Goggins is one of the one of the guys in Utah who helps him. Right, is on his mm-hmm. his team. He's he doesn't really stand out because he he still has normal hair. Um, <laughs> back when this movie was made, um, and Anthony Starr is in this uh, Homelander. Oh, really? Um, who who was he? He's was, a character was he named the, Jeff. The, was he the the military kid? Mm, no, I don't think so he might have been honestly he's fairly early in the list but um or, or maybe he was know. a little kid <laughs> i don't you know, i don't think he's that young but uh <laughs> yeah i mean this is a this is a movie a story um of a guy who sort of moves through people's lives like not entirely but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um a, a, a large part of the story is him just meeting people, interacting with them for a while, and then moving on because it's um, the whole second act is a travelogue um, with him trying well, to get from The first act feels New like, Zealand. or if there, how many acts are there here? Do you think there's two acts or three acts in this? Movie? I don't know. If if you if you split it into three, there's you know the, the, the first is the New time Zealand. before. Yeah the the time when he's in New Zealand. The time when he's in the U.S. and trying to get to Salt Lake or to the Salt Flats in Utah, and then the the actual when he's there trying to trying to race with then you know a little epilogue sure, when he goes home. Sure. Um, I 
I don't know. I don't know if we need to go into spoilers for this because it's based on a true story. Um, what do you think? Yeah, that's that, that's the key thing to talk about here is that it it is based on a true story, and I think that's that's the whole movie. Uh, off the yeah. air, you you had mentioned this that it's just. I mean, I think you have to know that up front. I think if if you didn't, you would. I think the question would be, where's this going? What's what's happening? What's our point here? It feels like it's meandering all over the place and has wasted set yeah. pieces. But if you realize, I think if you realize up front, this is a story of this guy's a time in this guy's life. A, then a, it's a different, a small, thing. a short, a short period in this real person's real life. Uh, yeah. In as much as you know, I have no idea how accurate any of it is, but I do uh, want to read yeah. how accurate it is. I I think that's something I want right. to. I I do want to read. Like he goes to he goes to um, L.A. when he first lands in America, and he has his experience in in a, in there with the the motel, the hotel motel he stays in, uh, the mm-hmm. the taxi cab driver, the prostitute. He's got Tina the the. Um, uh, concierge or the motel worker like are, Clark, were those yeah. is were those in some kind of autobiography and he talked about them and they they were real people um cuz they kind of felt like they were real experiences that we were watching right yeah i mean that's that's always the that's always the question with um with movies with you know with with biopics or you know movies based on a true story or a real person you're always like is that accurate like did he did this really happen this way or and it it or why do they add had like, that yeah right right like is this a deviation from real life and if so why did the filmmaker uh make this change it definitely had uh that feeling of um here are the things we know about this guy mm-hmm. and so it's just this happened then this happened then this that's why i call it a travelogue yeah um, sure. i mean be, when, when because, he he sleeps with that lady and randomly in the middle of like utah or wherever that he, he goes which 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 random lady that he sleeps with are you <laughs> which he about? does multiple <laughs> like he goes and he he has like he has to fix his vehicle and he just randomly stops mm-hmm. off at like a farmhouse, and the old lady takes him to a cemetery with her dead husband, and then they have sex, and he wakes up and leaves the next day. Do you remember which one I'm talking about there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. Like that whole that might have even been Diane Ladd. Like that whole I I think that was Ada. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that whole thing felt like why? Like if you you know. The only thing I can say is, like, that's what he wrote happened on his experience coming to America in this thing, which is kind of this movie. Like, the movie in the third act, if we're saying three, is kind of about his motorcycle breaking this record, which is kind of his big world claim to fame even to today. Right. Um, Right. But but that's not the – I don't think that's actually this movie. I think actually this movie is a New Zealander – in what the 1960s what's it like mm-hmm. from someone from a small town in new zealand to come into 1960s the united states and then come and then go to a uh, a speed week right 
I think that's the story that's, that we were telling. That's that's part of it. To me, I kept I kept thinking of um and I don't remember this movie cuz it's been a long time ago. Of course, this movie is almost 20 years old, so they're probably not that far apart. Um do you remember a movie called Secondhand Lions? I remember that. Yes. But I don't think I watched it. I think um, I've seen I remember it being I don't think I've seen that one, but It's I want to say it's um um oh the Sixth Sense kid um Haley Joel Osment okay. something like that sure um and what Michael Caine and and uh Robert Duvall okay. I think um anyway it's this kind of like here's a story about these old guys and you know the way that they are in the in the world you know as it is um but so that to me was the was the sort of theme is like here's this guy and he drives his neighbors crazy but the neighbor kid is always over there and then for his birthday like everybody in town is is his friend like they all know him they all love him and then there's the spiker gang and they're they're kind of rude to him but it's still very like uh like how do i say this like like none of it is serious that doesn't that's not the right what that's not what uh doesn't adequately describe what i'm trying to say um it's i mean that is a the the race with the biker gang is a good example of like this is a thing that he did this is a thing that the real burt monroe did yeah. so let's show it in the movie and it doesn't further there's the some plot s- per se or it doesn't do a lot, well no but... i mean there's there's no plot to further and at no point did the stakes feel really high or yeah like there are stakes at all it's just like yeah he's gonna race these guys and look how fast his bike went but then he couldn't turn and he fell and he went home yeah and that's it like no consequences no and then when he leaves town uh the biker gang like gives him an escort and like gives him some money before because they're his friends too and then he goes and he's in america and he doesn't know how anything works or how expensive anything is but he makes friends you know everybody he meets likes him and every uh um uh, mature woman that he meets uh he you know invites him into her bed and because he's so like um likable i guess that's what that's what i thought like likable sort of sort of likable but but almost more of just like um I don't know. I mean, it, it, it went along with the, the idea of him being fearless, which also doesn't feel like the right word to describe. Like, right. Um, you know, whatever the line is, he tells the kid about doing something that scares you. And so he's just in a strange place and he's like, yeah, take me to Hollywood and I'll figure it out from there. Um, and then he goes to the, goes to the car lot and meets the guy and he's like, here, I'll fix this car you're trying to sell me, and then let me use your shop for a while. Just very, like, um, like unashamed of whatever he's got going on, and he's got this one, this one mission, and that's and that's what he's gonna do. Yeah, yeah, and 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 here here are the little things along the way. Um, wh- when I was kind of describing this to Sydney. Um, I was going to wait a few things here and there. It's just that, like, I kept saying, like, he's just very likable. And 
all the way through. And, and I said, she's like, I was like, it's the story of this guy. And every time he gets into a situation, he's just generally a nice guy and kind of like, I don't want to say humble, but he, he just like everything is on his sleeve and he's out there. Un- unassuming. Unassuming. You know, he, he comes in and, uh, you know, he's got, the, there's the scene with the vibrating bed in the motel. Like he just, he feels like an old man. Right, like you know, and you're watching I, an old man come through, which he is. I was, I was expecting him to start fixing that vibrating bed. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, he looked it's, like he was about to start taking it apart and like shave down some gears or something and make it work better. <laughs> right. Um, it's uh, yeah. So I I think it's just it's just telling the story of the like this person who is, is a nice guy. Doesn't have a lot of money. It almost feels like what is an old grandpa who loves his bike and has one dream, and he's from New Zealand, a a New Zealander grandpa in the nineteen sixties. Because because that's important, right? Like when he comes to America, it's a big. There's a big culture clash thing he has to go through. Yeah, of course, and it's the sixties, and I don't know. I think you said this last week, but I. You know, I think I was not fully paying attention. And so we started this movie and I was like, now, what is this movie going to be? Anthony Hopkins is neither Indian nor (laughs) American Indian or native. Um, And so I'm like, what is this movie about? And then like within the first two minutes, I was like, oh, Indian motorcycle, of course. Got it. Yes. Indian motorcycle. Because it's a a kind of misleading title. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Especially huh. now. Yeah, the, and well, and I, I think that's a point in the movie when he goes through customs, and and immigration, and they're like, what? You said some strange things to the customs officers. We want to ask you some more questions. Ask you some more questions. Yeah, the I I, I really enjoyed. I want to go to Utah and ride my Indian. Right. I'm like, what? Okay, so so there was the us trying to struggle describing what this is. <laughs> Let, let's uh, sure. talk about it. So the things in the show. Um, so I enjoyed a lot of these little vignettes. And I am somebody who would typically say um, this didn't further the plot. It was boring. It, it drug on. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. these are all words that I've said multiple times on multiple shows. Um, I think that each little interaction he had was only like 10 minutes each, though. Maybe 15. And True. Yeah. It didn't yeah. it didn't dwell it almost felt like it had a little beginning, middle progression for every little thing that happened. And then we moved sure. on to the next bit, uh, mm-hmm. which kept me entertained. And because I knew it was like an, an autobiography thing, uh, I knew that he's got I knew he's got to get to the place and set the record. Like that's going to happen. Right. Right. That's I knew that that's the, the history. Um, so that's because that's the thing. That's the least interesting thing. It's I was glad when he got it. That was really cool. But that's right. you know that's kind of pretty much going into this. I know that that's a for, foregone thing. So and the I wasn't in a the rush to get there. Kind of the movie kind of treats it as such, right? Or at least that was how I felt getting to that point. I'll say I definitely, um, you know, as as you could probably tell from what I said earlier about the Indian thing, um, I didn't know anything about this movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I even pulled it up at one point to confirm that it's a true story. 
I mean, eventually you get that that vibe. You're like, okay, this has got to be a true story because it's not. Otherwise, it's a bad movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a bad <laughs> like movie, it's yeah. just a random sequence of events, um, with no direction, no with classic with, yeah, storytelling, with, with you know. no plot, um, and so for the first probably hour like i was interested in him and the kid and i was like what is this who is this guy what is his family what is his deal he doesn't mow his lawn it's very like typical old man kind of yeah. grand torino stuff you're you're expecting a whole arc at this point right like a whole at the end right of the movie, right i'm like i'm like what's gonna happen and... okay i mean it's it's anthony hopkins so he's great and then he asks out the the lady at the bank and she goes with him but it's his birthday and i'm like what is happening with this and then you know the, the, she stays the night with him and he has a heart attack and i'm like what is going on and it gets to um i don't know probably around the time that he starts talking to the um i guess i should maybe say trans uh uh motel clerk mm-hmm. yeah and tina um and Tina and then he gets the, he builds the bike trailer and he gets his bike and he starts going and then he pulls a flat like I for as sort of random as the the events of the movie were by that point um I was like uh I started to become really emotionally invested in what was what was going to happen right yeah. I'm like does he does he not make it because there had been just so much randomness up to that point. And there still is randomness after that point. Like he works his way across on the boat and he's the cook for these guys. And he just is like lecturing them on the dangers of smoking. And in, in retrospect, I'm like, okay, well he probably didn't, the real Burt Monroe didn't smoke and also was free with his opinion to smokers that it was bad, (laughs) you know, that it was unhealthy and all this. And so they just put it in the movie. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But, like, he gets there, and then they're not going to let him run because he's not registered, but he's already made friends with a well-known guy, and they inspect his bike, and they're like, there's no shoot, there's no, you're not doing all these safety things. And I'm like, is he going to modify the bike? Like, I'm, I I wouldn't say I was on the edge of my seat, but I was invested in the story. Like, for the first, I don't know, 40 minutes to an hour, I would look at the runtime and go, like, Oh, there's over an hour of this left. Like this is so like meandering and, and very meandering. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it got to a point where I was like, "Oh, I'm really, I'm really invested in this this story, such as it is. Like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, is he gonna, is he gonna break the record and die in the attempt? Like a, <laughs> you know, one of those because we didn't know the real story, right? Like we didn't know." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I think it was not necessarily just invested in the story. I think when that third act happens, when he gets to Salt Lake, I think I'm actually invested in him. Like, yeah, I think, I think just like all the characters, the characters, quote unquote, all the people that he meets that he knows from his hometown and all the, obviously the people from his hometown, but like the, the people that he meets on his travels are sort of charmed by his, personality like you get that way as well like at first you're like oh it's anthony hopkins and he's playing an yes, old this is right. sort of maybe curmudgeonly guy and he pees on his lemon tree and 
and all this stuff. And then you see him in one interaction after another, just like form these instant friendships with the most random people, you know, a, a, yeah. a native who helps him on the road, the, the motel clerk, Tina, um, even the, like the customs agents, whatever they're like, Oh, I, I think I saw your bike in popular mechanics, yeah. the, the right? car it's, salesman, the car salesman. Who's like, Bert, why don't you just, why don't you just stay here and help me, you know, you, you got a job here anytime you know and every person he meets is like come see me on your on your way back so that by the time he gets to the salt flats and they're not going to like you you i as the viewer felt that same like i liked this guy as much as all of those people that he met on the road right right um yeah and i that was well said i i, I kind of wanted to say that but you said it. I, mean, I I felt that same way. I was I was like, I, yeah. I, I got to make sure I say this. And then you were, you just quoted the lines I wanted to say. Every character, I liked how he, you know, he came up and um, what is it? Tina tells him, for example, in the in in, in the the diner, uh, you know, he he, he she says, I, I'm not a lady, I'm a boy, and and he's like, oh oh, well you're a fine lady or something. He just treats her like you're, really nice and just. You're still a sweetheart. Still a sweetheart. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of just treats her. And, and that's those endearing things that just like normal and whatever, you know, and then he, he meets, he meets an old lady at a, in her house and on the side of the road. And she lets him use her, her, uh, uh, welding tool to fix his car. And she kind of is Randy for him. And he's like, okay, cool. <laughs> I am too. Randy. You know? And then he's, He's yeah, like yeah. good with it, you know, and then that that happened. and he doesn't just like it's not a sad drama type thing with any of these situations. None of them are like a crazy, you know, let's like we see a lot of times in modern day Hollywood where they're like they're trying to do a moral of the story or show kind of a thing. He, he mm -hmm. just leaves and they're all fine and happy. He doesn't take a job. Right. He doesn't come back and get a job at the car sales flat. No, uh, no. But he leaves the guy happy and kind of a cool experience. Like he met these people in their life and it was a positive experience for everybody. Not hugely so, but he was just kind of a genuinely good person and yeah. then went on. So when you see him in the third act and there's some kind of tension where he's not going to get in, you're like, no he's got to get in. You've got to let this guy, you can't just let this little old grandpa guy that I've been really liking the whole super nice guy, not in and not, not race, not run his Indian across the salt flats and see how fast it can go. Right. Um, yeah. So he, and uh, so when they, yeah. and so, so then when they shorthand, they sort of shortcut all like, there's a whole crowd. Well, a small crowd. Like he's got a, he's got a posse of people around him who are like helping him, set up the bike and get in and out of it and and cheering for him and giving him the the whatever they call the the award they give him um like the movie doesn't have to show you show us him forming all of those bonds like whoever the those two women were or the other like two random guys who are like hey we want to we want to help you out you know get, get you know whatever they're going to give him financial backing or whatever like we're getting toward the end of the runtime and we don't need to see all of those people being charmed by him because the movie we've seen, they've spent the whole movie showing us his ability to do that. We're like, Oh, well of course he made friends. He got a whole circle of friends 
up there in Utah who are all cheering for him and, and um, rooting for him and cheering him on as he breaks those, those speed records. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, and you just love it when, when he makes those like connections with those people, you get it right. Like he, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. he he's just kind of using his natural charm throughout this thing to, to do what he does, you know, like he, he, and he doesn't do it on purpose, right? He, he meets the, no. the, he meets that, like, I guess he's a famous in charge, respected guy that's in the, the race on the first day mm-hmm. and doesn't do anything special besides just be a genuine person. And yep. that guy wants to help him and you get it. Right. I think it, so. So all of that's kind of to say that this was because of Anthony Hopkins, like his portrayal sure. in this show conveyed that to us you know some of the writing too but you know his his smile or the way he talked and his mannerisms and even when he was frustrated and confused he you still were there with him you know Mm -hmm. um and and especially when he's going 200 miles an hour he lifts his head up and you're like no 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 dude don't don't die Mm. you know (laughs) it's it's because you just don't want you just like a genuine person which he feels very genuine the whole time and who yep. and, and real because, you know, he's having heart troubles and he's mm-hmm. old. He's aware of it. He talks about, you know, things like dying, which was some of my yep. favorite lines, too, is when the two times in the show, they're like, I can't hear you say that one. He wants to get alone. And he says, because I don't know if I'll be alive tomorrow or something. And the banker's like, I didn't hear you say that. And he repeats it really loud so he can hear mm-hmm. it. Um, and the other one is when he's putting like shoe shine stuff yeah. on a tire, putting shoe polish on the tires so it'll pass safety inspection. <laughs> he's like, I, I didn't hear you say that. He's like, Well, it doesn't. I didn't does hear it. you say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I liked all of that. Um, coming out into the the final thoughts here, I um, I liked this a lot. Uh, not like movie of the year or oh my gosh, you know, must see stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed my time watching it, um, and I, sure. I enjoyed. <laughs> I feel like I enjoyed my time with Sir Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> right? Sure. Like yeah. Watching this, uh, this great old guy, do some nice things. It's my kind of movie that it has feel good almost all the way through it, and, and, mm. and the best part about it is I knew, except for not knowing if he dies in the end. Um, sure. If you know that it's going to have a positive income outcome, you know, he, he's, mm-hmm. and, and when he starts having heart troubles, you're like, well, okay, well, he's kind of old and he's going to die, but I know he's going to complete his mission in life. So that's going to be okay. Whenever that happens. Right. So worst case scenario is still going to be okay for me. So which made it, you know, good all the way through. So I, I, I enjoyed this movie. I would recommend it to, who would we recommend this to? Who do we tell people to watch this one? Um, I mean, if you, so if you like biopics or if you, um, I've got a brother-in-law who's really into like, um, BMX stuff, like, like, uh, that's really only small part of this movie motor, motor biking. And I absolutely would recommend it to him. And even like, I think my, my parents watch a lot of like wholesome stuff. And this movie isn't, you know, as we said, he's sort of 
you know, has has some pretty casual sex several times. Several times, right? Yeah. Um, but I think I I don't think they would be bothered by that, um, because he is such a genuine person. Um, right. This character, this this person, he's like in his eighties. He can do whatever portrayed. the heck he wants. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think there's probably a, a lower, an upper, what lower, I don't know what mathematically I want to say here, like below a certain age, I wouldn't recommend this to somebody. I don't think a, like, oh yeah, yeah. Fit, a, a, you know, a, I don't think a teenage girl is going to appreciate this movie. No. Um, and, that's a good term and, they appreciate. I don't think that they would have the patience, appreciation for that. Yes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not a, not a younger generation. And, and men or women could both like it either way. I, you know, I, I don't think that's... Yeah, yeah. It's not like because it's a, a gearhead show. It's going to be about you know generally would be a you know a guy show. There's none of that. It's all equal. No, there's there. there's very little. I mean, I don't think I don't think you need to know. Any, I mean, I don't know a lot about cars or or mechanic stuff or whatever. But I can appreciate that you know he's using the the same water he uses to quench his his metal castings. He's using to make tea. And that makes the tea taste weird. I'm like, yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I dug so. There's so many. I, I, I don't want to waste any more time on it. But I, there's so many of those little bitty vignettes that were just endearing. That I, and and they were just total. What I would always say is totally stupid. For doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I liked the taxi guy when he first. Not taxi guy. I didn't like taxi guy, but I liked the uh, uh, car guy when he's he drives on the wrong side of the road. You know, yeah, and it pulls a cigarette out and you know does that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Tina. I liked um, the police officer that pulled him over and told him like you know, uh, it's uh, just because in Nevada we don't have a speed limit. You know, be, take care of yourself. And and every right. at every turn you almost you almost wanted people to treat him badly so that they could be like see the light, right? So because because they, sure. they do because almost all of them turn into like okay people and if not if they're bad to him he gives them a, a dime and that's 10 cents for yeah. a tip right <laughs> right which is, right which is good oh a 10 yeah. 10 10 yeah that cab driver what a piece of work <laughs> what a piece you're right and you're and the whole time you're like embarrassed that he's representing his first experience in america you're like oh, uh, yeah um, so uh so that's this and my, what that a, was my and, pick and, and what a what a classic like old guy thing to do it's like oh just like every time somebody says something to him what does he say what yeah what like like he, he's hard of hearing right. right and so when so when the cabbie tells him 10 percent, he's like oh here you go 10 cents 10 it's cents like <laughs> he knew he said 10 percent, but whatever and, and i kept i kept you know the, the, this was another part of the thing about the writing too is like there was kind of some callbacks here and there with the money like you knew he was struggling with money. It wasn't a major part of the thing, but you know, it, he solves air quotes, solves his money problems early with the whole bank scene, which goes quick. That's something about the show. I had said earlier in the spoiler section is that it, it happens quickly. You know, each little problem presents itself, then it resolves itself and then it moves on to something different. 
Um, like he mm-hmm. has the money, he goes to the bank, he gets that salty with uh, away. And then later on, you, when he's starts, you know, that lady, that person in, in America steals his $10. You're like, right. oh, no, no, that's $10. And then when the cabbie charges him $30, you're like, oh, my God, he can't afford this. And, you know, mm-hmm. how much is it going to cost him for this? And I'm like, all these kind of things. He bought a, a, a car and they wanted $300, $400 for it. You're like, I know he only had 2000 And how much did the boat ride cost? And um, right. so you, I, because of that, you had you had this feeling of, like, you were along with him and scared for him, you know, that, that he was right. going to be overwhelmed with this kind of stuff. Which makes yeah. things like them giving him money even more, like, impactful. Right. right. And, and they, he feels it. Do, you feel it. Yeah, when he when he wins the award, that was the most, like, emotionally touching moment in the movie when they right. they just give him that little sack of money they, you know, they passed around. Everybody put money in. Yeah. and And even at that point, you almost feel like, they're just giving him the lifetime achievement award and you know, out of respect. And then he goes off and sets the world record. And you're like, wow, that's <laughs> right. that, that was awesome. That was, you know, and he even says that, like, I hope that I can prove myself worthy of your respect type thing, you know, right. Which was, yeah. Excellent. Okay. So that, that's, that was this week. Um, the, the world's fastest Indian new movie that neither of us had seen before or heard anything about until the next thing. We we will uh, thank TikTok for that one because I had the the to, the <laughs> yeah, scene yeah. the scene by the way that, that it showed on TikTok that I saw was when he was going in for the testing, and they were they were saying, is that a door hinge? You know, and what right. is this? What is this plug? And how old are you? And there are cracks in the tires. We haven't. And they were kind of making fun of him, and he wasn't really responding back in in a negative way. He just wasn't right. really answering their questions but kind of mm. answering their questions. Um, and th- th- I saw that scene. I was like, oh, I kind of I kind of want to see the rest of this. Um, so, yeah. Sure. So what, what do you got for us for next week? Okay. Um, what did I pick? Oh, uh, this is another older movie, uh, older than 2005. I think it's from the 80s. Um, it's a movie called Sneakers. Okay. It's uh, Robert Redford and... I want to say Danny Glover. Hold on. Okay. I'm gonna... I like both those people. Danny Glover was in Lethal Weapon. Or um, Tall. Too old for this stuff. No, it's it's Sidney Poitier. Oh, Sidney Poitier. Oh, he's I'm, awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm not 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 far enough back. Uh David Strathairn. Um Oh, so this is like a serious movie cuz those first two people you said are like good actors. Well, don't don't uh, don't jump too far on that because oh, man, Dan maybe, Aykroyd maybe is a also comedy. in this. Oh, okay. Is John Leguizamo in this one? No, uh, not that I know of. Um, <laughs> uh, who else? River Phoenix is in this. Oh, right. um, Mary McDonnell, uh, 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 President Roslin, I believe. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, is in this. She's the the sort of. The sort of love interest. This is a sort of a heist movie, um, but like a like a tech heist. Oh, it's from '92, so I was close. It's, I was thinking it was late '80s, maybe early '90s. It's from '92. Um, yeah, I saw this one a long time ago. Saw it several times. 
but uh, since you haven't seen it, I thought it'd be yeah. good to watch it again. De- definitely. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that ever, so I'll, I'll have to watch it or look forward to watching it. Um, last thing we got, just a few minutes here. I don't have really much to say because we've, we've talked about this movie. I, I, I got uh, this was you had brought it to my attention on, on, a, on a message. The um, local community theater here in town is showing four uh, oh, Studio yeah. Ghibli films. Ghibli week, yeah. On on um, uh, every Friday this this uh, month, um, the four movies they're watching is Ponyo. Princess Mononoke, A Name of the Wind, and oh, How's oh, Moving Castle. The Wind Rises. The Wind Rises, sorry. The Wind Rises and How's Moving Castle. Um, I'm, I'm surprised there's no Spirited Away in there, but that's okay. It's like the usual one that every picks, and I'm sure it's been here before. Um, so, the, And these are, other, right. these are four good ones anyway. I have only seen Ponyo once before, and only mm-hmm. I think I was kind of half watching it. So this one, I sure. sat down and watched it. It's also first time I've seen it in a theater, you know, I, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, what do I say about this? Uh, I've studio... never seen Ponyo, so don't. Uh... Oh, okay. They, they call it The Little Mermaid. They say, oh, it's like inspired by The Little Mermaid. But the movie Bell was more inspired by Beauty and the Beast than this was inspired by Little Mermaid, I think. Like, there was M- very little. Maybe... Is it maybe inspired by the original Little Mermaid? Yeah, who knows? Like I, the, I don't know the Little Mermaid uh, Hans, original Hans story. Hans Christian Anderson story. Could, could be, maybe. Um, um, it, it, this is... Much is darker than the Disney, of course. Oh, uh, yeah. This is not really darker. It's, it's, it's a Studio Ghibli movie. I, that's the best way I can describe it. Sid and I talked about this on the, way, on the way home, about how just like the movie we were just talking about, that's kind of why this transitions well. Just like the, the movie we talked about with um, The World's Fastest Indian... Studio Ghibli movies are these kind of like little vignette pieces that you spend time with specific characters and then move on to the next scene. Mm. They're Almost, a little, they can be a little meditative. Yeah, that's a fair word. You know, con- okay. contemplative where you're just introspective, thought provoking, kind of, maybe not thought provoking, but yeah. Uh, and that's thoughtful. what thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, so this fits, okay, go ahead. this fits in here with that. Ponyo fits is is a there's beautiful scenes. They spend a lot of time on just like the wind rises. It's a lot like the wind rises type thing, where they. I remember in the wind rises, there's whole scenes where they're on the like an umbrella. I remember the umbrella and rain, and then there's wind on the the grass and stuff. And like they just spend mm-hmm. a lot of times, and there there's there's shots when as I was watching it, I. I was one, I would say I was tired, like kind of hmm. mentally exhausted. And yeah, so, that's, uh, um, not advisable. That, that's not usually I, good, especially in a dark I, theater. I, I, um, I watched Spirited Away was, when I was tired. It was, and I, so it was I hard. I was like, oh man, it's a two hour movie. And then like mm. 20 minutes in, I'm really kind of struggling a little bit here. Uh, but I, I paused and thought, cause my first kind of as annoying thought was like, man, he is, they're taking it. They got a shot of him walking, through the water pushing a boat and it's just sure. like a, the camera's on his feet and it's just he takes real slow steps the animation is very slow and moving forward and it's just showing it i'm like because it's it's just paying attention to the little animation and that scene or it's then he's floating in the boat with her and they meet another village couple who are in a 
canoe and they have a conversation and they do small facial anime type things where she gets excited and she kind of like bursts with excitement slowly build you know type thing and like it just took so long and none of that scene really matters to the whole story but what you're watching here is the animation right Mm. and i'm like that's all that's as sid and i talked on the way back that's all studio ghibli things when you break it down spirited away doesn't have a great grand story that you can come back and say is one main beginning middle end plot type thing there kind of is but it's you know it's the stuff with yubaba it's the stuff with the baby then it's the stuff with no face then it's the stuff with you know kuwaku river spirit it, there's the, mm-hmm. the there's just these little vignettes that you spend time with these things and enjoy the animation and the world and the rich characters and um so watching ponyo on the big screen with with i mean it was a sold out crowd and all of them were really into it. Like that was really great too. Like everyone, like the whole theater, laughed at the the goofy little scenes that you kind of want to chuckle at. And I'm like, <laughs> sure, that sure. a weird theater experience to watch an, uh, an anime that's over a decade or two old. Um, and everybody just laughing and 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 saying "aw" together and clapping or whatever. I'm like, that, that's that was a, I really appreciated that stuff. So anyway, Ponyo. I didn't mean to review Ponyo itself, but I just kind of want to mention that Studio Ghibli movies are a lot like that. Just like The Fastest Indian sure. is like that. And I can be accused of using the word, the pacing is the phrase, the pacing is too slow. Things t- were were for no reason. Or it takes forever. I've said that many times to say that a film is not good. I say that with Avatar 2, which just came out. Mm-hmm. And I still... Main, I still stand by that a lot of times it's 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 not needed and it's it's it can be okay but it doesn't make me any it doesn't provoke if it doesn't provoke any feelings or i don't get anything out of it then it's i think it's dragging and it's it's making things long uh but other times and i don't know what that it is but studio ghibli has it in their scenes that they give you um the world's fastest indian had it uh, that made those mm-hmm. slow scenes not feel bad. Um, so yeah, I'm contradicting myself sometimes on that, but a little. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a whole topic. I don't I don't know that we have time to get into here this late in the show, but um, I mean I'm, I'm sure it has a lot to do with what you bring into it, right? Like I I love the idea of spirited away having this whole segment on a train where all this crazy stuff has just happened to um uh whose name i'm forgetting and she gets on this train and it's just this slow relaxing there's we talked about this at the time we watched that movie um an interview with with uh hayao miyazaki saying you know that that in japanese culture and art they have this idea and i've definitely watched anime other anime series that have this idea right where a character is like it's like a high school girl and she's got a an old moped that her her friend helped her fix up and she's gonna ride and now here's a whole sequence with her riding home from this place and they're playing this little snippet of one of beethoven's sonatas and i'm like this is amazing 
Like there's nothing happening. It's so yeah. slow. There's no there's no action whatever. It's just um if you're in the right mental and emotional state, um the 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 emotion of something like that can really hit you, can really resonate with you. And but all of that what do I started to describe that train scene from from Spirited Away. When I watched Spirited Away, I was tired. And I watched it in Japanese, so I was reading subtitles, which can also make me more tired because I'm engaging another part of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I nodded off during that train sequence. Like, I, it was slow and methodical and put me to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have fallen asleep in that one too, yes. And so, yeah, I think it's it's more about, like, what you bring to the situation, to the experience. yeah. Um, and 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 what you expect out of it maybe too um sure. like like so i can say that the same things about spirit away ponyo or studio ghibli f- films as i can avatar 2 because avatar 2 has long slow you know breathing moments of beauty and things all not just a little bit they have a lot of them just as mount i would say as much as studio ghibli films do um, and they do them almost in the same way that Studio Ghibli films do. Uh, to James Cameron's credit, in a recent interview, he, when asked about the controversy over the runtime and things, he fl- flat out stated that he thinks that Hollywood doesn't give movies time to breathe and to actually just be there and to be in an area and appreciate what's, you know, the the land and the people and the situation. And I'm like, all right, that's a that's a valid point. Um, why is it that I can like it in Studio Ghibli films, but not in this one? I think going into an Avatar movie, I expect a space kind of action, drama, story-driven movie, and I get a Studio Ghibli film mixed in. Yeah, and, I mean, right? and that not to be me. not to be too reductive. Although I'm about to say something incredibly reductive. <laughs> um, I would, I would consider if somebody asked me this this weird, dumb, Scorsese uh, question, um, I would consider Miyazaki an artist. Yes, I totally hundred percent like yes. I would not consider James Cameron an artist. Oh, that's he is that's bold is, cotton. It's bold, bold, bold strategy cotton. Yeah. It's James Cameron is very good at a thing, and that thing is making movies that appeal to a very wide, massive audience and that make an obscene amount of money. I don't think either of those things are art. And uh, I know I agree. I know I started by saying I'm not going to be reductive and that's a super reductive thing for me to say, but uh that's that's I, my I would hot how take. about this? I would say he is more of an artist though than Michael Bay. Because I think Michael Bay does the same things but intentionally. Whereas I think James Cameron actually believes he's making works of art. He thinks he's making something better than, than he actually is. That's oh, fair. yeah. I, That's I absolutely fair. do. Because I, I, I know he's like he went on a 10-year tr- soul-searching trip about the planet and exploring the Amazon to learn about and be one with nature so he can make the next Avatar movies. This is a real thing the man did. And he comes back and, and he makes these scenes – because he f- believes in this, it's kind of an, it feels very art and Zen. I'm not saying they're good or he succeeded or that it's, it is art. 
I'm just thinking, I think he is thinking he's an artist. Um, as opposed, so he's, so he's, he's Michael Bay, but less self-aware. Maybe that's exactly the way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, that, that, we're throwing a lot of, throwing a lot of <laughs> that's, shade that's around here. And, the, and on the same the podcast. page, he also knows all those things that you were saying. Like he knows how to make all the other stuff. Like he knows what other things you have to put in there to make a hit. Um, so yeah, he's kind of a mix between those two. So I, I would argue that he is an artist, but maybe not a good one. Or I don't know, <laughs> right? That's subjective then. But yeah. I, yeah, I on the other hand, I would say like Michael Bay is not an artist except for sure. like a money making artist type thing. So yeah, yes, okay, cool. Anyway, um, yeah. So, but on the other hand, Miyazaki fits one hundred percent in no question by anyone. Yeah, an artist right yeah uh, and he's one that like doesn't care about the other part of it right, right. whereas a cameron i mean does i mean what's the, the what's the when we watched the wind rises what movie was it you said that he was trying to recapture i can't um, remember it's been so long was it ponyo you said in an interview that his the story he tells in the wind rises is sort of a an analog for his life and him chasing like the character in Wind Rises is trying to in is trying to fly like he's trying to invent mm-hmm. this this perfect plane and that that it was a it was a metaphor for Miyazaki trying to recreate his what he thought of as his best work and I don't remember right. which movie you said it was I think it was um, Spirited Away I I'm, I'm pretty sure it was he like he has I, always said he's been chasing Spirited Away um, maybe, maybe it was Spirit Away. I thought it was one of the other ones, but regardless, um, right. yeah. I mean, I mean, what else? Boy, this is like I'm I'm opening these big philosophical questions here at the end of the show. But like, what else like defines someone as a true artist than that like pursuit of a thing to the detriment of like almost every other area of your life? Right. right, like how many how many of the greatest artists, you know, died penniless and alone with no friends and, uh, you know, whatever. All of those. Yeah, I, I all of those. You're, things. you're right. Art and what an artist is is a big philosophical question and stuff. But but I I do agree. I think if you and I had discussion of what artists are, I think we would agree on that point of an artist doesn't do it for any other reason than the art or what he, what he wants to do it for or his own reasons, or it's not like needing to do it for other, like, I don't think that it's art if you're doing it. So other people will, will buy it. I mean, technically maybe it is, or, or you're doing it so that other people like Michael Bay, we'll go back to like doing it. Cause I know that people, this gets 18 to 24 year olds in, right. This is what they want to see, you know? Um, but someone who says, I've always wanted to express what, you know, I could do with a motorcycle and make it beautiful and efficient. That's art, right? Mm, um, sure. Or, or art could be, I, you know, I, I took a, a piece of code and I wanted to make it work efficiently and beautiful. And it, it didn't matter if it was going to ever be used, but I wanted to do that thing, you know, to do it. Um Mm-hmm. That that's artwork as opposed to say a, a, there's I'll even do one more last example Twitch streamers who 
who do it to get views. They do whatever they do to get views. And then other people who love doing a thing because they like talking about a board game or a video game or something they just enjoy doing. So they make a nice channel that it's all these really neat things and they just enjoy doing that. That's kind of artwork. Sure. So, yeah. Well, okay. Well, we did, we did a lot today. We saved six lives. Here we are, are again, rambling on at the end of the night for another 10 minutes yeah, over. Yeah, it's my, my favorite thing when we're close to our 90-minute runtime and you're like, hey, how do you feel about predestination <laughs> or whatever? Uh, okay, that, anyway. I, I wait a week to ask Dennis the, quite, the tough we're, questions. At the end. We're going we're gonna to get so much mail about how James Cameron is an artist. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Okay. And Michael Bay uh, is too. Yeah, and Michael Bay is too. You've been listening to The Front Porch. It's episode 279. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on all the things. Uh, if you want to send us those emails about what, what we're wrong about the nature of art, artists, and Michael Bay, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact forms on our website, frontporchpodcast.com. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a review, we appreciate that. It helps out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.